Thank you for downloading this podcast from Bromley Town Church. We pray this message will refresh and encourage you. For further information about Bromley Town Church, you can go to our website, www.bromleytownchurch.com. If you have any questions in the corners of your mind and traces of discouragement and peace you cannot find, reflections of your past seems to face you every day. Yeah. But this is one thing I want you to know that Jesus is the way. times like this, I think to myself, now, if I had a voice like that, and if I could sing like that, that would be great. Jesus is the answer. That is an Andre Crouch song that he wrote, sung there by the Jesse Dixon singers, and it's just that powerful presentation. But the truth of the message is what I want to speak about this morning. When I came to prepare on Friday, I was looking at a number of different things. In actual fact, I've got about three different sermons here that I could preach to you but something kept pressing in on me quite simply to preach to you about the fact that Jesus is our Saviour. He is our Saviour. And I think in the world that we live in, with the distractions that we have, with the pressures that we have, with the stresses that we have, even though we can be a church-attending people, we sometimes lose sight of the fact of who Jesus is. And I want to proclaim to you that Jesus is our Saviour. Now what that song is talking about is the fact that Jesus is the answer. 
Because in the midst of all the pressures and the trials and the tribulations of the world, Jesus is the answer. You know, there are many people who are looking for saviors, and there are many people who have found a savior that they think for their life, but it is not Jesus Christ. And the same thing can be said of ourselves. Even though we can be sitting in church, even though we can be giving attention to the scriptures, and even though we can be giving attention in our lives at times to the things of the word of God, we actually don't always make him central. There are many other little things that we draw into our lives which become vicarious saviors. Vicarious. What is this word that suddenly comes to us? Vicarious means something that is taking the place of of another person or thing. And we think, listen, I'm a Christian. Jesus is the one that I am putting my trust in. But you see, when we come under pressure, when we come under trials, when we come under difficulties, when we find that people or events are summoned against us, when there are difficulties, when there are accidents, when there are frustrations, when our children are having difficulty at school, when something's happened in the home, maybe an accident has happened to us, maybe something's kicking off in the office, maybe it's even the fact that we're facing redundancy or some cuts have got to be made, somebody's got to be laid off, could that be my position that is coming under fire? And we know that we should be looking to Jesus, but what we do is, the first thing we do is, I need to have a drink. I'll go down the pub. I need to have a pint of beer. I need to go and have something. I'll eat something that I want to have. I'm finding something else that I am putting my affections and my trust in to enable me to overcome the pressure that seems to be mounting against me. That can be a vicarious saviour. Because we're looking to something else to meet our need at that moment. When the Bible says this, Jesus is the answer for the world today. There is no other. But the problem that we have is that in life we are putting our faith, our confidence in the things that cannot deliver in the same way that only Jesus can deliver. He is the one who can set you free from the bondages of your life. The things that have held you captive, the things that have been in limitation. But there is a problem with that. You have to want to let go. Friday night, we had the Curry Union fundraising event. We had curry, which was declared to be hot and lived up to its expectation. That was good. We had some conversations. Uh, Denise was able to bring her brother and his wife to that and just enjoy the dinner, which is great. I haven't seen Denise's brother, Dave Tarr, for quite some time. I did meet Dave a number of years ago. Way, way back, something like, could be as many as 15 years ago. And let's say this is about 12 years ago, an account that I'm going to tell you about. He came with us as a church when we went to one of the Bible Stonely Weeks. And he was there with another one of his friends. And he came with us and we were encouraged because he was showing uh, a desire in the things of God and wanting to know the things of God and wanting to be in the things of God. But he had a problem in the fact that he was an alcoholic. And, you know, well, it's not really an alcohol. I just like a drink every now and again. But even in the car that he had driven there, he still had a, a bottle with him, which he'd have a few drinks from. And we had this debate. He and I had this debate about how this is not going to help you. And yeah, yeah, but it doesn't really matter that much. And anyway, look, it's just one of those things. And God forgives me anyway. 
That's what Dave's stance was on it. Now, Dave went through many situations, and I'm proud to declare on his behalf that God has set him free. And not only has he set him free in the fact that he is no longer bound by any form of drug or alcohol, but that he himself is a man who leads a work that is setting other people free. That is the turnaround that God has done in Dave's life. But you see, he came to a point, and I was talking to him about it on Friday, of what when did you come to a point that actually you had to change? Because we've had those debates, we had those discussions, we're opening up the scriptures, trying to show you this is the way to go. God says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know all those sorts of things. And even though we can be faced with the truth that God's word declares to us, sometimes we don't take hold of the truth. Sometimes we don't let it penetrate our hearts. Sometimes we don't allow it to speak into our lives. We still carry on in the ways that we know because these are the ways that we have been brought up in. Somehow those are the ways of safety. Now I might be talking about alcohol, I might be talking about cigarettes, but there's many other things that we can lay hold of. We can lay hold to the fears of our minds. That when we have the voices that speak to us about how we're not any good, about how others are going to think about us and how we can never perform because that sort of thing has been spoken over us for years, we can be locked in that but we become so afraid of letting that go we sometimes don't even know what life would look like outside of those things. That we never get to that point of desperation of saying, Jesus, you are my Savior. You know, Jesus is the saviour of the world. That is what is pronounced in the scriptures. You know, when the angel came to Mary and spoke with her, actually, I don't know whether it's Mary or whether it's Joseph that the angel actually said this, but the angel said, oh, it was to Joseph, because he said to him that your, that your girlfriend is pregnant, she's going to give birth. She's going to give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Even before this baby Jesus was born upon the earth, the declaration was given about him that he is going to be a saviour and he is going to set people free from their sins. He's going to set people free from the bondage that their lives can be brought under. And then when the baby was actually born. Jesus had arrived. You know that he was there lying in the manger and shortly when we come to Christmas we'll be remembering these things. But the angel came again to the shepherds as they were out in the field. And the angels declared to the shepherd, in the city of David is born for you a saviour and his name is Christ the Lord. And those shepherds went up and they went over and they found that baby and they worshipped him. Because he was the one who was going to provide salvation. Now for the Jewish people, this had a great historical uh, impact in their lives because they had been brought up in the ways of God. They knew the stories of God and the anticipation had been since the days of the major prophets which had passed away and had now been some 400 years back. They were still living in the hope of when is the Saviour, the Messiah, the sent one from God, when is he going to appear? So when the angel appeared to these shepherds, suddenly the announcement was, He is here. Your deliverer has come. The one who will raise you up. 
the one who will transform your lives, the one who can deliver you from the bondage of sin, he has arrived. And they went. And they worshipped over this infant that was there. Jesus is our saviour. He announced to the shepherds. But his salvation then carried on. When eventually Jesus grew up and he began his ministry, do you remember when he went to the well, the woman was there at the well. The disciples had gone off to go and get sandwiches for lunch. Jesus was left behind at the well. They thought, okay, just leave him. He'll be all right. When they come back, they find him talking to a woman. This is a bit strange. What's Jesus talking to this woman for? But not only was she a woman, she wasn't a woman of, you know, class and dignity, an acceptable woman of society. She was a woman who had been living on the other side of the street. A woman that Jesus was having a talk with, and he said to her, give me a drink. You remember the story. Or if you don't remember the story, it was that Jesus asked this woman for a drink because she'd come to the well when it was quiet. And he asked her for a drink, and she said, oh, I'll give you a drink. He said, well, I could give you a drink that is living water. If only you knew who I was. And they had this interaction and eventually Jesus said who he was to her. And he'd also had a word for her because he said in the time, we're going to go and get your husband and let him come and share with what we're talking about. And the woman said, I haven't got a husband. And Jesus says, you are right in saying you haven't got a husband. You've had five men and the man you are now living with is not your husband. Suddenly this woman Jesus had her attention. What is this man? He's a prophet. He's seen into my soul. She goes off and gets this guy that she's living with and other people from the town and they come back and Jesus talks to them and then after a while they say, we don't need to listen to your stories alone. We no longer believe just because of what you have said. For now we have heard for ourselves and we really know that this man is the saviour of the world. I wonder what messages Jesus had preached to them. He preached to the woman about receiving water that was living water. Water that would rise up in her life. Water that would answer the needs that she has. Even to the point where she's saying, great, let me have this water. Then I won't even have to come back to the well to get water. But Jesus was talking about the refreshment of the Spirit of God that would come to abide in every person. That springs up to a well of life. And that can bring healing, deliverance and freedom to them. The people of the town knew, we haven't just come here to listen to your stories, woman. We've come because this man is the saviour of the world. And you know what? Jesus was also declared to be saviour by Peter on the day of Pentecost. And then after the day of Pentecost, do you remember that the apostles went one day up to the temple? And as you go up to the temple, you go through various gates. At one of these gates, there was a man who was always there, begging. Every time he went up there, oh, yeah, there's that guy again. And there he was again. This time, Peter and John turned to him and said, look at us. So suddenly he's got their attention. He is gazing at them. They are looking at him. And he is thinking, good, they're now going to help me out. And then Peter announces, silver and gold I don't have. <laughs> I guess I'm going to get another sandwich. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. A man for all of his life had been begging and had been broken because of the state of his body was now leaping 
and praising God because he had received strength and healing. A miracle had come to him. Jesus was being pronounced. And then, of course, because of the commotion that had happened, Peter suddenly gets an opportunity to preach to the people who are around him who have been stirred up. And he says, men of Israel, know this, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He, that is Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected, but has become the capstone, the cornerstone. And then Peter went on to say this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. Jesus is the saviour. In church, so often we, we know this message. Oh yes, Jesus is our saviour. He's come to save us for our sins. We all acknowledge that we've done things that are wrong. We all acknowledge, yes, okay, I lied. Sorry, I didn't do that. Okay, I need salvation. I'd like to go to heaven. Jesus, be my saviour. That's it. That sometimes, in a nutshell, is the level at which we're receiving salvation. That is not the salvation that Jesus only came to give. He comes to give wholeness, completeness, a wholeness to your life to transform you from a person who has been living under the dictates of the rulers of the power of the air into a person who is living under the authority of the Holy Spirit and walking in the ways of God. A person who is being transformed from a person of darkness into a person who is radiating, radiating the shining light of the glory of God and being able to proclaim to all the salvation that they have received is also available to others through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have such a small understanding. So I've got my sins dealt with. I've received forgiveness for those things that I have done wrong, those things that have been troubling me, those things that have been hanging over my life. I have received forgiveness for them and I am grateful. But Jesus is the saviour who has come to set you free from every bondage and to release you. It is true to say we need saving just from our sins because the Bible itself says that we were utterly lost. We were without hope and without... Uh, without God. It says in Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. So many people who walk around the world think, well, we're not bad people. 
I've done a couple of things, but basically I'm a good person. I do what is right. I've helped people. Sometimes I can be extremely moral. Sometimes I can look out for others. Sometimes I can care for others. Sometimes I'll open my home and let other people stay there and I'll look after them and care for them. Listen, I'm a good person. The Bible doesn't ever say that we start off being good people. The Bible says this, we start off in a place of utter depravity, we are estranged from God, we are enemies of God because of our transgressions and sins. For everyone has fallen short of his standard. Everyone. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the position that we start off in. We don't start off as nice people, we start off as enemies of God. And the reason that we need saving is because we've got to get away from being an enemy of God to becoming a friend of God. Jesus is the answer for that need. He is the answer and he will take us. He will forgive our sin. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will put us on the way that we are to walk the way of God's commands, the way of his understanding, that we may follow that route and that we may find utter fulfillment in the purpose for our lives. That is what Jesus has come to do for us. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is our Savior and we need him. But if we only call him Savior, it doesn't actually give the fullness of the understanding of what he has come to bring to us. Jesus is our saviour, but also Jesus is our deliverer. The one who will set us free from all forms of captivity and bondage. Let me read to you a few scriptures from Psalm chapter 18, starting at verse 2. Jesus is our deliverer. The Lord is my rock my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me, in my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him, into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook, they trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering. His canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence... Clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. 
the Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the Most High resounding. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies, great bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. No, Samuel, no. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. God is our deliverer. Can you see in that poetic language what it's talking about? How you can see that God is there, that he is the one who delivers. He is our rock in the midst of difficulty. When the enemies rise up, when it says the cords of death were even coming upon you. You know, sometimes people receive devastating news. Devastating news in our families. What would that be like? Something like so-and-so has just been told they've got cancer. And there's something about that word, even in today's modern world, where there's so, many help, so much help medically that can be given for that, that terrorizes our soul. That is like a cord of death coming upon us. That's what it can feel like. Suddenly you feel like you despair. What can happen? What good is there? What can I do? I am now helpless. Where do you run to in those times? Do we run at those times to our vicarious saviour? Those other things that we are putting in the place of Jesus that we hope will support us, that we hope will meet our needs, that we hope will fulfil us with some sort of comfort. That's something that we're reaching out to. Or are we putting our hope in Jesus, our deliverer, our rock, our strong tower? In that psalm, it talks about the fact of him rending the heavens. It's like God who is looking down at all times over us and God who is with us to help us is actually saying, I'm ripping open the skies so you can see the reality of my throne room. I am coming down to help you. Amen. And you know, in our workplaces, I, I just want to say this, even now I rebuke those thoughts that are going on in our minds that say that I tried this once, but it didn't work for me. The word of God declares to you, and he is not a liar, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Amen. He has said in his word, though I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. He has said that the Lord is my shepherd, shepherd I shall not be in want. He is my provider. He is my helper. There is evidence that God is our deliverer in the scriptures. Just think of the story. You know, there are stories of people who are in debt and God delivers them. There's the story of Elisha with a widow. The widow comes to Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, and she says, help! What's the matter? What's the problem that you've got? This is the problem. I have debts up to here and I can't escape them. And the creditors are coming. I have two sons. They are coming to take my last possession, which is my sons, 
to sell them as slaves, to raise money to pay off my debts. That is the level of my need. Have you got debts here today? Jesus is our deliverer. We have to look to him. In that story, Elisha, through the power of the Spirit of God, was able to say to this woman, go and collect every jar you can find. Well, actually, he says to her, what have you got? She says, the only thing I have got is a little bit of olive oil. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Elisha says, go and collect as many jars from as many family members, from as many neighbors, from anybody that you can get hold of. Get as many jars into your house now. So this widow sending out her sons, go next door, ask them for any, let's get these, any old wine jars, anything, gather anything. And they gather as many jars as they come. And then Elisha says, take that little bit of oil that you've got and pour it into these. And you know what? That oil kept flowing and kept flowing to fill every single jar and container that they had brought into their house. And when it filled up the last container, they said, bring me another, bring me another. Mum, that's it, we filled up everything. The source of the oil stopped flowing. What should I do? Elisha says, go and sell it. Pay off your debts. Your sons are not going to be taken because of God. Little stories of truth in here. Do you know what our God says? I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. What he has done for these people, he can do for us because he is a deliverer and he is a saviour. He is looking to bring wholeness, wholeness, transformation into our lives. But so often we're saying, Lord, I've had this sickness and I've prayed a couple of times. Nothing seems to have happened. Therefore, on the evidence of my testimony, I'm going to walk away from you. But that isn't how God says. God says, my word will never fail. My word will never fail. Think of the woman with the issue of blood that we looked at a few weeks ago. That woman came to Jesus. She had come to Jesus having tried all the other things. She tried saying a few prayers, I'm sure, at the temple. She wasn't really in that position at that point. Okay, I'll go to the doctors. She went to the doctors. Well, we need money to sort this out. But I tell you what, if you go and buy this potion, if you go and buy that, she had spent all of her money over the last 10 years at the doctors, trying to get herself healed through what the doctors could do, and it had failed. So she had got to a point of utter desperation. She came to Jesus. She saw that Jesus was the healer, that he was going around doing signs, wonders, and miracles, and she started to raise her faith in what he could do. She got to a point where she trusted that this Messiah was the deliverer and the saviour that she needed. And she came to a point in herself of being convinced that if I but touch his cloak, I will be healed. And she went. And Jesus was going through the town in the midst of the difficult and busy streets. And she comes up behind him and just touches the edge of his garment. She was healed. Jesus said, whoa, who touched me? The disciples say, come on, calm down, Jesus. There's loads of people around here. Everybody's touching you. Everybody wants a piece of you, Jesus. Forget it. No, 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 no. Somebody has touched me. I felt power going out from me. 
this woman came and knelt Suddenly her life was exposed as she said, listen, I've had this sickness, but I knew if I came to you, I'd receive help. Jesus was praying for her. He said, go, your faith has made you well. Your faith, your faith. It's not about, it's not about Jesus being super. It's this woman's faith in what God could do through his son, Jesus Christ that she received her healing. He has not changed. He has not changed. He is able to set us free. But what is it that we're still holding on to? What is it that we're still clutching on to? What are the memories of past events that we're still gaining hold of? What is it that stops us trusting in him? What is it that prevents us from abandoning ourselves into him? What is it that stops us and that we keep on worrying or that we keep on going and having a few more drinks or we keep on having more drugs because that's what we think is where life is going? Listen. Life is not going to stay as it is now. The word of God declares heaven and earth are going to pass away. There's going to come a day when we're getting up in the morning thinking, like, oh, it's Monday, I'm off to work again. But no, heaven and earth has passed away. Your job, finished. Your outlook, your need to fill the fridge is finished. School run, finished. Everything, finished. But up in heaven, there's going to be a breaking open of the heavens and there is going to be the revelation of the Son of God in all of his glory and every knee every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every knee. It's not going to carry on like this. We're sitting here expecting things to remain the same tomorrow as they were last week but there is coming a day of transformation and change and we are talking about the need to be ready for that day. Or do we still want to hold on to the things that are holding us? Do we still want to keep hold of those things that we think are going to save us, but on that day are going to be exposed as nothing and as useless and of no value? But somehow we still, oh, I'll just keep that. I must hold this. I want this baggage. Jesus has come to set us free. To be our saviour and our deliverer. Does he have the power to break the strongholds that are on your life? Yes. There was a time when Jesus went across the water to a place called the Gazarenes and there was a man who came to met, meet him. This man was a man who terrorized and traumatized the local community. The local community had got together many times and they had had him bound with chains, hands and feet. Some of you feel like you are bound with chains on your hands and on your feet. Some of you feel like you've got your hands free, but you still have the fetters on your feet. You cannot walk very far. This man had such power, such demonic power, that he could break those chains himself. But he couldn't find release and peace in his chains. He was traumatized. He came up to Jesus because there's something, something about Jesus that is so wonderful, so loving, so peaceful, that even though this man is full of demonic and dark power, 
he comes up to Jesus and starts declaring who he is. And starts saying, or the demons start saying, please don't send us out. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. To set the captives free. Jesus spoke to these demonic powers. And he commanded them to come out of this man. After that deliverance, the people of the town, and of course what happened was those demons were sent out into a herd of pigs. The pigs ran down the hillside and drowned in the sea. So there was much commotion and turmoil. This is like somebody who's got a big factory unit of pigs and suddenly the whole lot have gone. You're not telling me that somebody isn't going to shout and scream and say, that's my livelihood, what's going on, we hate you. You can imagine, there's a lot goes on in these stories that we don't necessarily think about. But the other thing that terrorized the community is that they saw this man sitting in his right mind, wanting to be with Jesus. I want to know here today that there are people who are sitting not in your right mind because you are traumatized by the voices of the enemy. Don't look to me. I am a preacher. I am a pastor. That is something that God has enabled me to come to that position. But I am also a fellow human being. Do not look to me because I am not your savior. Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. You see, so often we look to other people, our mums and our dads, our closest friends, people that we confide in in the church. And that's about having relationships and helping one another. But sometimes we start putting our trust in what they're going to say. We're looking to them to help us. There's no point in looking to other people to help you like that when Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus. Jesus. When you've got crisis, when you've got problems, when the world is coming against you, you've got to look to the one who can save you. There is no other name. There is no other name. The name is not found at the bottom of a pint glass. The name is not found in smoking some substance that might help you escape for a few moments. The name is not found by just eating your way through loads and loads of packets of biscuits. Salvation, deliverance, redemption is found in the name of Jesus. He is the one who we've got to run after. He is the one. For your families, and I don't know all the situations of your families. Some of you I know some of your situations. Some of you I know are battling with different things. Look, stop looking anywhere else but unto Jesus. He is the answer. You're looking at the fact, one day I'd like to be in this position. One day I'd like to pray. One day I'd like to be able to read the word as other people seem to. One day I'd like my children to know Jesus. Listen, stop looking at the one days. Start looking to Jesus for the answer to your needs. Start looking to him. What am I going to do with my life? Where am I supposed to go? For young people today, how am I supposed to find a job? What is my career supposed to be? How am I supposed to do these things? I don't know. But Jesus has a plan for your life. He is the one who will lead you. He is the one who will guide you. He has said, I know the plans I have for you. 
He's speaking to you. He knows the plans. I know we say, well, that's a great lot of good. Tell me. He will if you come to him. Amen. He will. He is faithful. He will not. He cannot break his commands or his word. I was meditating the other day, or not just meditating. Sometimes, for me, I get to a point of some confusion. I think I stop. I stop with a piece of paper in front of me and I start writing out some of the things that I'm thinking about. Some of the questions that I've got, I start writing them out so I can have, right, that's what I'm dealing with. And sometimes scriptures come to my mind. The other day, you know, we're thinking like, God, is it true that you really can lead us and guide us? You know, we think these things, God, is it really true? God says, what does my word say? Your word says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you are to go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the mule that needs a bit and a bridle in its mouth to lead him in the way. I will do it. And I thought to myself, if we carry on saying, God, are you able? What we're really saying is, I don't believe that you're capable. No, listen, you can't get it any other way. This is black and white. We either come to his word and say, this is the truth. Now I'm going to nail myself to the truth. And I'm going to dismiss the lies. And I'm going to stand against the lies. And I'm going to keep pressing into the truth until the truth sets me free. The Bible says that, doesn't it? Then you will know the truth. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Because all that scripture is really telling us to do is to to fix your eyes on Jesus. Get hold of him. He is our saviour. He is our deliverer. He is our redeemer. And the Bible, when it talks about redemption, the picture that is really given with the idea of redemption is that of buying back. Picture would be of somebody who has been sold as a slave and they're up again. The slave master has got fed up with them. I'm fed up with these. So now they become literally like another good or chattel that they can be sold on. So in the slave market, you have people bound in chains. They couldn't run away. And they were there for other people to come and prod and press them and see if they were muscular enough or see if they were fit enough or find out whether they got good teeth and whether they had seemed to be strong enough that they could then buy them to make use in their own homes. Listen, do you feel like you are a slave to somebody? The Bible says this, by the way, if when we sin, we become slaves to sin. So if you find there's a sin in your life and you know that you're walking in ways you shouldn't, you are already in slavery. You're like in that slave market. Well, the picture of redemption is this, is that Jesus comes and says, how much is this one? Let's say a thousand pounds. That one's a thousand pounds. Jesus gets his wallet out and pays the thousand pounds so now the slave, oh right, so you're my new master. Jesus says, yes, I am your master, but you're now entirely free. Entirely free. That's redemption. You've been set free. You're no longer under the bondage of slavery. The chains are being taken off your hands and your feet. The bondages that have been in your life are being removed because Jesus has paid the price to redeem you, to take you out of slavery and bring you into a place of freedom. That is redemption. Jesus says, well, God says in his word, in Isaiah, fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
fear not. Do not be under fear. Do not be under the bondage of what our minds and the tricks our minds can play upon us. I who have created you have redeemed you. I have brought you back from slavery. It is him who keeps us. That is the picture of redemption. As I was writing this, I suddenly remembered this hymn, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds in a Believer's Ear. It soothes his sorrow, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast, his manner to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. How sweet the name of Jesus This is our Savior. This is our Deliverer. This is our Redeemer. We as a people need to run to him. We need to run to him. We've got to throw off every weight. We've got to throw off every hindrance. We've got to give our lives focus. We need to run to him because he is the one who can help us. Not only running to him, we need to abide. We need to remain. We need to stay with him. We need to be with him. We need to come under the authority of his word. We need to give ourselves to him so that we can therefore receive from him. Run to him, remain with him, receive from him because he is your savior, your deliverer, and your redeemer. You need to be with him. We need to keep our eyes fixed on him. We need our faith our confidence to be resting in Him. That is a difficult thing to do because there are many pressures, many stresses that come to take us away from Jesus. Many things that want to deflect us. Many things that want to come in and want to act as our Saviour or want us to give ourselves to so that we can find salvation in them. But the net result is they will disappear like the rest of the world. There's no power in them. But when we come to Jesus... There is power in the name of Jesus. And he can help us. We need to be daily feeding upon him. Now, there's a lot more that I could say, but I just want to encourage us. I want to encourage us to give ourselves wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage us to look at the things that are binding us, the things that are holding us, the things that are restricting us, the things that have captured us, For some, even in this room, it's more obvious that there are bondages and captivity over your life than for others. So sometimes we can look at the others and think like, oh, well, they're the ones. All of us need to know Jesus is our Savior. All of us need to run after him, to remain in him, and to receive from him. And I want to encourage you to do that this morning. We're just going to stand up now. The band can come back. You can see why I played that song at the beginning. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And he is the one who can set us free. Do you want to receive Jesus into your life this morning? Do you want to actually come? Are you in a place where you've never put your faith in him and publicly made a statement to say, I want to go on with Jesus. 
I want to find salvation in him. I want to be set free from my sins. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want to start this journey. If you've never done that place, then this morning you can do that. And you can do it by simply walking up here and we will pray for you in a few moments. So if that is you, yes, you've got to make a public statement. But Jesus made a very public statement for you. He died on a cross to pay the price for your sin. He died there naked, where everybody could see everything that was his. The things that we call our private parts were suddenly exposed for him. But he was willing to pay that price so that we might be forgiven. Jesus is the saviour. If you do not know Jesus as your saviour, I want you to come out of your seat and I want you to come and stand here so we can pray for you. And do that now. Don't hold back. For others of you that are here this morning, you know, you know that your life is still captured. You know that you have been going to other things, vicarious saviors. You know that you've been giving yourself to substances, to all sorts of things, just idly using your life, filling your time with anything apart from running to Him. And if you want to make a statement that you want to see change, then also come out here and we will pray for you. The very fact of just walking out publicly is just showing to God that you mean business before Him. So we're going to worship. While we're worshiping, come forward. Don't let the enemy hold you any longer. War, we have to fight. And that means that we have to overcome. And sometimes even now there are things that are speaking to you and things you think like, I am not going to go forward because I am too ashamed in front of the other people. And you have to say, listen, why should pride hold you back? Why should pride capture you? Don't look to me. Put your trust in Jesus. Be like that woman with the issue of blood. Make a decision that you know nothing else can help me. Only Jesus. He is the answer. And I'm coming for my answer from him today. So as we worship in this song, come forward if that is you. And we will pray for you. Thanks God. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or you're after more information about Bromley Town Church, do visit our website, www.bromleytownchurch.com.